Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Log Talk Radio. Muscle aches, rashes To find an answer Hair loss, I'm so tired You need to ask your doctor the right question Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope Visit couldihavelupus.gov Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council Good morning, good morning And welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys, And I want to thank you so much for tuning in You can follow me on twitter.com Slash Joy and you can become a fan on Facebook. Just look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And now I am on Instagram. Yes, lots of cool <laughs> pictures. And if you tag me, you might win a prize. For the listeners, they know I give away movie tickets and dinners, uh, concert tickets, books, all types of things. So definitely tag me or follow on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook so that you can win. I want to say first thank you so much to all the listeners right now close to a million downloads of the podcast. Just amazing, mind-boggling that you guys want to listen to what I have to say. But hopefully you have learned something and you have shared these stories with your friends and family and they have learned. Uh, That is the purpose of my show, is just to provide resources to people, to enlighten people about different issues. When I do the shows, I learn so much as well. So I just want to say, again, thank you so much for all your support. Well, this month is Lupus Awareness Month, and I have three warriors on the line uh, to share the stories and resources that are available in the community uh, dealing with lupus. Um, You may not have heard of it before, but it's an autoimmune disease, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, My first guest, Annette Myrick, she's the CEO for the Lupus Foundation of America's uh, Philadelphia Tri-State Chapter. Good morning, Annette. Good morning, Joy. Thanks for having me on, all of us on. Thank you. Thank you for coming on again. Um, also, I have Layla Moreno. She's a board member of the Lupus Foundation of America's Philadelphia Tri-State Chapter. Good morning, Layla. Good morning, and thanks for having me on. Uh, and also, a newcomer this morning, Tabitha Barrero. She's also a lupus advocate. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show this morning, Tabitha. Thank you, Joy. We appreciate you having us. Wow, this is amazing. Three all at once. Um, usually we just have two, but today it's going to be like a super-powered show about lupus. <laughs> um, <laughs> really amazing um, that we're all here. I was uh, promoting the show on Facebook, and many people were sharing. I had an infographic from the CDC, and they were sharing um, how you know many people in America have lupus and how many people it affects. Uh, people don't realize how many people it affects. And I guess it really touched a nerve with people because, like, so many people shared the infographic, uh, which is great, just bringing more awareness to to the issue. Uh, Estimated 1.5 million people in America have lupus, according to the CDC. Um, But let's start at the beginning. I'll start with um, Layla. Can you tell us what lupus is? Sure. I will be more than happy to do that. Lupus is an autoimmune disease that... um, Pretty much what it is is that the healthy tissues in your body attack itself. It's pretty much 
in, in layman's terms, the best way that I could put it is your own body attacking and destroying itself, destroying the healthy cell tissues. Wow. So, I mean, um, Annette, how would you know that you have lupus? What are some of the symptoms? Well, the, some of the signs and symptoms include things that feel like you have the flu. So people might experience uh, aches and pains. They might experience fever. They, uh, and, and certainly people experience fatigue. But when we talk about the fatigue associated with lupus, it's really extreme fatigue. So even if you sleep for 8 to 10 to 12 hours, you, you wake up and you still feel like you've been run over by a truck. And that's really um, one of the key indicators that something's going on in the body. And when you think about what's happening in lupus, the body is making these antibodies attacking yourself, as Layla said. The body is really working overtime. The immune system is working overtime. It doesn't turn off. And so that sort of puts some real perspective on that fatigue. So the symptoms um, don't seem very significant, but certainly if lupus is left untreated, it can have some devastating results. I mean, those symptoms sound like, you know, like you said, you might have the flu. I mean, they're kind of like so many other symptoms. How would you know specifically that it's lupus-related? Um, Tabitha, maybe could, could you share how you would know that it was lupus-related? Well, I think that that's um, the key joy, and I think that uh, Nat and Layla would definitely um, agree with me that that's why we call it a cool mystery. Um, it's so difficult to diagnose lupus. You, ne- you wouldn't necessarily know right away that extreme fatigue or body aches is lupus. You would assume that you have some type of virus and potentially go see a doctor and they would, you know, possibly give you that same diagnosis and, and that type of treatment. You would know that perhaps it's something more serious that needs to be looked into when it persists, when it's something that, you know, you've seen a doctor, you've seen your primary care physician, you've tried to get treatment for a virus, you've tried to rest, and it's really not going away. And it's really important to, first and foremost, really listen to your body. I think we know, um, we, we know when something's really wrong versus when it's just something that needs to run its course through our bodies. And I think that's the key, mm-hmm. is really listening to your body and knowing that this is something more serious than just uh, a virus that I've let run its course to something more serious than just what I've gone to see my primary care physician for. And it's really, you have to be your own advocate to really persist because a lot of times that's not going to be the first thing that a doctor is going to assume is wrong with you. Exactly. Well, um, Layla... I was just going to say, and then some other things kind of layer on top of those basic symptoms where someone might have mouth ulcers or hair loss or rashes on their body. So sort of these extra things keep popping up, and it's helpful if people can journal that information because they persist over time, as as Tabitha just said. And lupus naturally has flare-ups and remissions, and so when these things continue to happen, it, it is important to just pay attention to what your body's telling you. So, Layla, do you mind me asking um, how you came to find out about your diagnosis? It, yes, and I can tell you that for me it was changes in my body. I noticed that I didn't have the same energy that I had before um, prior to being diagnosed. I, will, I, I love to jog. I will get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go jogging, and I noticed that I, my knees were aching. So initially I just thought maybe I was overdoing it, maybe I needed new running shoes, um, I was doing something wrong. Um, I happened to be a colleague of Tavata. We worked at the same place, and I mentioned to her 
about how I was feeling, and she said to me, you know what, I think you have lupus. I'm like, lupus? The heck is lupus to begin with? I've never even heard of that mm-hmm. word. Long story yeah. short, I followed her advice. I went to the doctor, and I, like, like a lot of people, originally I was misdiagnosed because, believe it or not, the medical community is, is not as, as informed or I'm going to say lupus was not necessarily on the radar as one of the things that um, the medicine community was really focusing on. So like hundreds and thousands of people, um, they, I was also misdiagnosed for three years. The medications I were given were not effective, and I continued to experience fatigue, get sick, so I continue to work with my rheumatologist, which is the doctor who, um, you know, you will go to if you are experiencing these symptoms or if you perhaps believe that you have lupus, you will see a rheumatologist. I did change doctors. I was eventually given the right diagnosis, and I've been on medication um, now since 2003 um, for my lupus. Wow, so a couple years it took. I mean, I've heard stories where people take even longer than that. It's so frustrating because you're trusting that, you know, this person who's a doctor who went to school to learn about our bodies is going to be able to help you, and then they tell you, okay, this is what it is. So you're like, okay, and then come to find out that's not what it is. I mean, the, the, I mean, uh, Tabitha, can you speak about this frustration that many people who have lupus or even other autoimmune diseases, people have this frustration um, that they go through and thinking that they're losing their mind sometimes when they're trying to explain things to the doctor. Absolutely. It's, it's very, very difficult and it's very frustrating. And that's why I said it's most important to be your own advocate. Um, as Layla said, a lot of times you walk into a doctor's office, and even if they are a rheumatologist who specializes in autoimmune diseases, every case is different, and every, every patient's um, involvement with what they're having internally in their bodies with lupus is different. So it really does become, you will see blank faces in your rheumatologist's um, eyes at times. They're not going to always know exactly what's going on with you or how to address what's going on with you. So it's really important that we become our own advocates and really listen to our bodies. And I think Annette brought up a great point, which was journaling. That was something that I did in the beginning when I first started experiencing serious uh, symptoms with my lupus. Because I did start journaling every day um, what I was eating, perhaps maybe that was affecting some of my symptoms, what my symptoms were, how severe were they, um, and really having that information and empowering myself to be able to go to my doctor and say, you know, this is exactly what's happening and I don't know if you've encountered this before with anyone else, but this is what's happening with me. And you really have to be your own advocate and stand your ground because we really have to remember that, you know, although the doctors, like you said, Joy, are trained professionals to know what's going on in our body, they don't know everything. And it's important for us to realize that they don't know everything. They aren't superhuman, and they haven't encountered everything just yet. So we have to really yes. find a rheumatologist that we feel comfortable with partnering with on that journey of discovering what's going on with, you know, with you together. Annette, let me just ask you, how does someone get lupus? Is it genetic? Is it environmental? Um, what, what, how, does, how does someone get lupus? So there's, there's the belief of the scientists are that there are three things that, that are factors in terms of someone's development of lupus. And, of course, we can't predict that someone will or won't have lupus. Ninety percent of all cases of lupus are women, and the majority of those women are in their childbearing years. So that tells us that there is some sort of hormonal connection. So that's number one. We also know that certain populations are affected with lupus more often 
um, than other populations. So most cases are women. Women of color are actually affected three to four times more often with lupus and more often with more moderate to severe disease, which tells us that there is a genetic predisposition. Now, with the Human Genome Project, we know that there's probably more than 100 different genetic markers or genes that are involved um, in the predisposition of lupus. Third thing is, is environmental. We know that there are environmental triggers that either cause the onset of the disease, kind of flip the switch on that doesn't turn off, um, or exacerbate or uh, uh, enhance disease activity. About 80% of people with lupus have photosensitivity or sensitivity to the sun. That's one of the environmental triggers that has been documented. It may be a virus. It may be exposure to a chemical. And, and stress is also an environmental trigger. So whether it's any of these things in isolation or they have to sort of have the perfect storm is really unclear still in terms of the research that's going on. But we know that those are the factors that come into play. I mean, someone might say, I don't have anybody in my family. Layla, um, do you mind me asking, does anybody in your family have lupus? I mean, so how... Why me? Why all of a sudden did it, did it choose to come out in, in, in my system? Nobody. Everybody in my family is completely healthy. Um, we were all completely healthy until, you know, lupus came around for me. Nobody in my family had ever experienced, you know, any autoimmune diseases. And as I said earlier, I had never even heard the word lupus. And that is the reason why I'm such an avid advocate about lupus because, I consider myself to be, you know, a little educated. And for me to not have even heard of the word lupus and not be connected with the suffering the millions of people um, are going through with that disease was shocking. So when I mm. think about myself and I put myself in that position, it makes me want to spread information and it makes me want to educate people because I am more than certain that there are thousands of people who are now living with lupus, who have never heard of lupus, who have no idea what is going on with them, and are sitting in their houses going crazy because they know, they could feel the difference, they know something is going on, but because this is an invisible disease, everybody may think they're lying, people may think they're making, them, making the symptoms up, but I know and they know that they're suffering from lupus, and I want to be that voice that reaches out to them, gives them a hand, and say, you are not crazy. I understand what you're going through. Well, yeah, definitely it's important that people know they're not alone because, like you said, the person can look fine on the outside, beautiful, you know, hair done, lipstick, everything, but internally they're suffering, you know. Uh, Tabitha, let me just ask you um, the question of, uh, does anyone in your family uh, have lupus, do you mind me asking? And um, how how did you change your life uh, after you got diagnosed in terms of your diet or exercise? Uh, well, on the adverse to Layla situation, my family actually, speaking of genetics, runs rampant with autoimmune disease. So I have several um, family members who have rheumatoid arthritis. I have one aunt and one male cousin who have lupus. And then um, I have also a few younger cousins who have been diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. <laughs> and I became the double whammy and actually have both rheumatoid arthritis and systemic lupus. So mm. the symptoms that I was experiencing when, I, when, when my family members were first starting to learn about their diseases, 
when I was about 19 years old weren't too foreign to me, at least not my rheumatoid arthritis symptoms. They weren't as foreign to me because we were learning at that point as a family about it. But if I take you right. back to when, how I was diagnosed, I actually had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis as a child and nobody knew it. And I was one of those children who would complain about aches and pains, and everyone looked at me like I was crazy. I was told by doctors, my mother, I remember hearing doctors telling my mother, she's milking it, she's being dramatic, um, mm. nothing wrong with her. I would, be, I would complain in school, the school nurse would give me an ice pack and then call someone to come pick me up, and they would be like, she just won't stop complaining about it. And I have these memories as a child very vividly um, of having that be the case. And then as I started to get a little older, um, I just started to attribute my aches and pains to playing sports, cheerleading, dancing. Um, so I just kept ignoring them as I got older. And then in my teens, I started to experience a symptom that became a telltale sign of my developing lupus, which was severe chest pain out of nowhere. Yes. I would have sharp pains in my, in my ribs, in my back, in my chest when I would take deep breaths. And then, you know, every once in a while, intermittently shortness of breath. But again, I would, you know, mention it, complain about it. Um, doctors, my mother, and, you know, other adults around me just didn't understand it, couldn't explain it, so it was kind of just left right, in the right. as well. Um, so it wasn't until I was 19 where I actually had a full-blown rheumatoid arthritis flare where I could not get out of bed. Um, I thought it would go away for after a few days, and it didn't. And so that's when I went and um, saw a rheumatologist through my university health services and was officially diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. That luckily eventually went into a remission because like lupus, RA is an autoimmune disease that also goes into flares and remission. So I went into remission with that, luckily. And then a few years later, around 23, I started having really bad chest pain to the point that I woke up one morning and I thought I was having a heart attack. Um, it was difficult to breathe. It was difficult to speak. Even the shallowest of breaths sent sharp, stabbing pain um, in my chest. Um, I couldn't move. The slightest change in, in posture or movement sent that sharp pain. So I knew something was immediately seriously wrong when I couldn't even speak or move. I went to the emergency right. room and I was diagnosed with pericarditis, which is a, which is a very common, um, a common complication with lupus. So that's how I okay. began to know that there was something way more serious going on, and I was eventually diagnosed with both rheumatoid arthritis and systemic lupus. Let me and add, I'm um, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. You want to say one more thing? I thought you had asked me another question regarding current treatments that I was on, but I, I might have imagined that. You go right ahead, Joy. No, no. I was, I was just asking how did you change your like, – now that you know that you had lupus – uh, did you change your diet? Did you change your exercise? And basically, based on your symptoms, you had to. You couldn't move um, when things started flaring up, so you had to make adjustments, I'm assuming. But in terms of your diet and, 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 and eating, did anything you eat trigger symptoms, do you know? Not for me. I can't say that anything that I ate triggered my symptoms. I think I just make better food choices now in general and, and mm -hmm. definitely eat more cleanly and healthier and just for general health and wellness. But I can't say that there was anything that I was eating prior that I think was attributing to flares. That might not be the case for other patients. I know other people who have changed their diets completely and it has put them in remission. So there were definitely mm -hmm. things for other people that they were eating that, were, that they felt were attributing to their symptoms. That's not the case for me, but I do know there is a case to be made for that. Let me just add that we um, skipped over one part about how do you test for 
lupus? Is there one test or multiple tests? How how would I definitively know, Annette, that I have lupus? Yeah, that's part of the the cruel mystery and why it's it's a there's not a specific yes you do no you don't blood test that you know tests you for lupus. There are uh, certainly laboratory studies that are done that lead to that conclusion. Um, the anti-nuclear antibody is the most common baseline. People I'm sure have heard of that with routine blood work ANA, and a positive ANA is is an indication that something's going on, but it doesn't necessarily mean lupus. With rheumatoid arthritis, that there's rheumatoid factor, it's much more definitive in terms of coming to that diagnosis or looking at the the fluid inside of the joint. Um, but with lupus, the ANA could be positive, but that's not necessarily an indicator. So there are 11 diagnostic criteria that have been established by the American College of Rheumatology, and that's the principal specialty for lupus, as, as Layla mentioned earlier. And so someone needs to have at least four of those 11 criteria in terms of coming to that diagnosis. Now, the challenge is the symptoms come and go. So you might go to the doctor and have these two symptoms now, and then the next time you go, those two symptoms are gone and it's something else. And so the stringing all of those things together, which could be um, helped along by keeping that health journal um, or hopefully the physician keeping good records, helps to lead to that conclusion. So the family history is important as we've heard two, two, two scenarios here, one with no autoimmune disease history and another with autoimmune disease history. Generally there's some sort of um, family history of, of some kind of autoimmune disease, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, cancer, um, but not it's just not always the case. So it's sort of looking at all of the different pieces of the puzzle that help it come together. There are the further studies that are done, but they're not routine lab studies in terms of looking at autoantibodies, antibodies that are attacking the, ourselves. They're just not generally done as part of routine lab work. So that's why it's important for an individual to really have a consult with a rheumatologist if they have these mysterious symptoms that are coming and going. Layla, let's talk about the treatments and um, are there any treatments available, how many treatments are available, and what types of treatments might be on the horizon? Okay, this is something that is, is really, um, this is something that is really kind of special to me or it touches me um, more so because as prevalent as lupus is and just as I'm sorry, I just, it's, it's hard for me. And it's hard for me because it took 50 years mm. for the medical community to develop a medication specific to lupus, okay? Just a couple of years ago, they developed Benalista. And before that, we had been without a specific medication for lupus for over 50 years. What does that mean? That means that we borrow medications from other diseases to treat our medications. For example, let me put it in simple terms. If you have a cold, you go and you buy medicine for a cold, correct? And you take mm -hmm. the medicine yeah. for the cold that is prescribed for that cold to treat that cold. We don't have that. If we have a flare, we have to borrow medication from, say, a headache, okay, that because the headache may help with the pain, but it doesn't really address the issue of where the flare, the lupus flare is coming from, okay? Mm -hmm. that, is, that, is, that, is, that is difficult when you have 
a lifelong condition to know that you have to borrow pseudo-medications to treat an actual condition and hope and pray that they work and hope and pray that they make you feel a little bit better. That is what everybody who experiences lupus right now is going on, is, is, is experiencing. I'm sorry, we don't have medications to treat this condition because of its complexity, because it's a cruel mystery, because it's invisible, because people don't understand it, because the medical community has spent perhaps years trying to figure it out, and at the end, when you have no result, what do you do? You give up. But we can't give up. We continue to live with this condition, and we die from this condition, and we die because mm-hmm. we don't have medications to be able to treat this condition. Okay? There are, there so you're are, borrowing um, things for the symptoms. Basically, you're just, you know, placating the symptoms. If you have a headache or your swollen joints or, you know, pericarditis or different things, you're treating these symptoms, but you're not really getting at the core. What does this bin list uh, that, that just came out, uh, and what does that do, or how, how does that assist in alleviating the symptoms, or does it get to the core? Benista recently came out, and it works for some people, and it doesn't work for others. And that, again, mm-hmm. goes back to lupus being different, a different experience for each individual. Tabata is actually on the list currently and I think can explain a little bit better how the medication is working for her. I am not on the list. It's, it's, it's not, it wasn't required for me yet. Okay. Tabata, would you mind speaking about your experience with this drug, Benlista? Not at all. Um, Benlista was, uh, as, I, as I joked around when I spoke at the rally, it became like the, the glittery unicorn, this mythical miracle drug that we just waited for for so long. Because as Leila said, there's nothing out there to treat lupus. And it was a long journey for me personally to get on that list. It took um, almost a year, six months to a year, before I was finally able to start the drug after it was approved. And it is definitely the, only, the, the first and only drug of its kind on the market to treat lupus. And it actually, for me, has become my wonder drug. It is administered monthly, um, intravenously. So I actually have to go to the hospital and have it intravenously administered. Um, and it's only once a month that I need to take it. It took a few, after a few loading doses, which um, loading doses basically means even though it's ultimately only administered once a month, initially you get three doses very quickly back-to-back on a weekly basis just to get it into your system loaded in and ready to go. And initially after my loading doses, I started to see major differences. At the time when I started Benlista Joy, I was in a wheelchair and I was bedridden. Mm. Um, so I was unable to move. I was unable to do anything for myself. Um, I spoke about this at the, the rally last week. I, I literally had to have someone assist me go to the bathroom, brush my teeth, dress, bathe. Um, so I, after those loading doses, a few weeks later, I would start to see tiny little differences where I was able to do little things by myself. If someone helped me stand up, I wouldn't collapse. I could stand up on my own for a few seconds, um, little things like that. And then it, it, as rapidly as I declined, once I started the list after a few months, I just started to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And for me, um, since being on the Benlista, I've had very few, I'm obviously uh, walking and fully functional now, thank God, Um, but I've also had very few um, lupus flares. 
and I've been on it for almost two years now. Um, there's nothing that's ever going to completely take out every flare that you're ever going to have. There's no wonder drug out there. And as wonderful as mm-hmm. it is, and for me, there's no such thing as a drug that's going to eliminate every flare that you're ever going to have. But I can and say it doesn't work for everybody either. And it does. It doesn't, it doesn't work for everyone. Every medication yeah. is different for everyone. And this works for me. It may never, if, if Layla ever had to be a candidate for it, it may not work for her, but it worked for me. And I had to go through two years of trial and error of every drug on the market for both RA and, as Layla said, barring from other diseases, drugs, nothing worked. This was the first thing that worked for me after two years of trial and error of everything else available on the market. Wow. Annette, um, I just want to, we're coming down to the wire in terms of time. You have a a walk coming up, uh, an event, and I also wanted to talk about the teleconferences that people can join in on the second Thursdays. you want to talk about that, Annette? Yes, there's a variety of programs and services uh, that we offer to the communities to help people with lupus live well and learn about the resources, learn about medications, things, self-management strategies that they can do. And a great way if someone has never connected to our organization or, or just hasn't um, been ready to, to engage in terms of uh, living publicly with lupus, a great way to get involved is our monthly telechat. That's always the second Thursday of each month from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. People can dial in toll-free from the comfort of their home, 866-210-1669, and they're asked to put in a code, which is 834-5078, and they can talk with other people with lupus. And what we have found is that you know people definitely learn best from people like themselves. So while I'm a health educator and I have a lot of experience in rheumatology, I don't wear the shoes of someone with lupus. And so we make those connections so people can talk and share and learn from one another. So that's the first Thursday of each month, a second Thursday of each month, 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. All of the other programs and service information is available on our website, lupustristate.org. You can register for teleconferences, get the information on this monthly chat, and um, hopefully people will take action to fight lupus. And a great way to do that is through our walk program. We just had one in New Jersey. Our walk in Delaware is coming up in June. And then our grand finale is our Philadelphia walk, which is the Lupus Loop, always this last Sunday in October. And so that's a great way to take a stand against lupus. And in order for us to have better treatments for people, to keep working towards that cure, we need a bigger army. And so I applaud Layla and Tabitha for being the warriors that they are and encouraging others. And and the fact of the matter is we need the bigger army and more people to join the effort. Well, definitely. Just mention that teleconference because, again, I think that's really convenient for people. They're in their homes, they're driving, they're on the bus, maybe they're just leaving work and they need to call in. Could you just mention that it's the second Thursday, you said, at 730? Correct. Second Thursday of every month, Mm -hmm. 730 to 830 p.m., people can dial 866 Two one zero one six six nine, and the participant code is eight three four five zero seven eight. So that's great. So I really appreciate all of you coming on this morning, uh, Tabitha, Annette, and Layla. Again, um, just so uh, blessed to have all of you here this morning. And as Annette said, we need more people. Uh, bringing lupus to the forefront, you know, in the news, in the community, because people are just not aware of it. And as I mentioned to you earlier in the beginning of the show, when I I put an infographic from the CDC, 
many people shared that and people were sharing stories like, oh, my niece has, you know, lupus or this person or, you know, I'm posting this because I know somebody who has it. Um, and so it's really uh, important that we do these shows, we do Twitter chats, you guys have walks, you have conferences, and, and also to push the medical community because, like Layla said, we have one drug out there uh, 50 years, and that drug may not work for everybody. So that's just ridiculous. You know, multiple sclerosis has a couple drugs right now. Different um, autoimmune diseases have multiple types of drugs. You know, maybe it will work for women, but um, Tabitha said there's a man in her family who has mm-hmm. lupus. You know, there, there are these exceptions that don't fit into the box of the story of lupus. So a man who has lupus who's, you know, African-American, a man who has lupus who's Asian, whoa, that's probably going to blow their minds, but it's something that the medical community needs to be working on, you know? So um, I just want to say thank you uh, for coming on today. Is there anything else you wanted to share about events or anything, Layla, Tabitha? Um, I I met share the information about the events. I just want to really encourage people to get involved, you know, just be a voice. You may not have lupus yourself, but you may know somebody who has it. Or even if you have no link to lupus, you know, come out and, and help us. You know, be a volunteer. Call the chapter and make yourself available. A lot of the things can even be done by the, you know, right, right from your home. But we do need a bigger army. We do need to make more noise in Philadelphia. And we cannot do this by ourselves. The chapter is run literally by three individuals. So we need more people. We need more hands. And just want to make a call to people to really get involved. Well, thank you so much, um, all of you, for coming on this morning. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, and I'm sure we'll talk again in the future, okay? We appreciate thank this, you so Joy. Much, thank Joy. you. Thank you, Joy. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, bye-bye. everybody, for tuning in this morning. Okay, bye-bye. I really appreciate right. you guys listening and your support of the, of the podcast, uh, in particular of today's podcast. Uh, May is Lupus Awareness Month, um, but as we were mentioning, lupus needs to be made aware of every day of the year, 365 days of the year, because many people are suffering. They're suffering in silence. Um, they're being made to feel like they're crazy because the symptoms come and go. Uh, as, as Tabitha and Layla mentioned, oh, maybe they're lazy or maybe they're trying to avoid things or they're lying. No, the symptoms are very real. But unfortunately, in some cases, they don't show up on the outside. So there's internal things happening to the person, pain, or the joints, or all different types of symptoms that you can't see from the outside. Uh, So please, if someone in your environment or you yourself are suffering with some kind of issue, journal, Tabitha mentioned about journaling, keep track of that maybe for a month or two, you know, to see what's going on. Press your provider, your primary care provider, to say, hey, try this test or go to this other doctor like a rheumatologist. Don't be afraid to stand up for your symptoms, okay? Uh, again, thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter.com slash Joy Keys. You can become a fan on Facebook. Just look up Saturday mornings with Joy Keys. And also, I'm on Instagram. I have lots of cool pictures. Uh, Saturdays with Joy Keys on Instagram. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, this Wednesday, I'm doing a special show with soul singer Liv Warfield at 7 p.m. Eastern. Again, this Wednesday, May 28th. So I hope you can tune in for that show. Muscle aches, rashes. To find an answer. Hair loss. I'm so tired. You need to ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope, visit couldihavelupus.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council.
With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.